Welcome to the Jesus Said Love podcast. This is a space where we talk about what it means to awaken hope and empower change. Listen, for over a decade, Em and I have been fostering relationships with men and women who've been impacted by the commercial sex industry. And it's through those relationships that Jesus Said Love was born. We figured it was time to talk about what this ministry has taught us and is still teaching us along the way. I promise it's gonna be a place of conversation and story. And we hope you learn something new. Maybe you see something in a new way. Fun fact, you're gonna hear music because Brett and I are musicians. Yep. We can't just talk, nope. we gotta sing and play too. We do. Here's the deal guys. Our hope is that as you hear these stories, that you'll tap into your own story and that you'll be encouraged to live and love well like Jesus. Hey, Brett. Well, hello there, Emily. It's been a while since we talked. I know, like two weeks. I know, it feels... Well, I mean, we've talked more. I mean, we, we just haven't talked on the mic in Sure, weeks. yes. Like, we, we actually do we communicate. We do talk to each other <laughs> at home. No, we've been out of, I've been out of town. I was at youth camp, like, yeah. throwing down the things. How was that? It was hot. You were the video guy. Yeah, I threw down the video, like, you know, that they showed to the kids now, late at night about the day and... Do the kids? I mean, has this changed much in twenty years? Since? No. Okay, the so same. the only difference is is that it's like high def now, and it's not a slideshow. And you can do so much from your iPhone. Yes, Are I you... do. I do lot. I, I shot the entire week of camp on my iPhone. Not a gimbal, which yeah, a few nerds out there makes it look like it's a real movie camera. But right, it's and, pretty cool. And then what do you edit in? Uh, I edit in Final Cut okay. Pro. Yeah. Not so, Adobe. I know so, a lot of film people out there, Adobe people, but I'm just telling you Final Cut Pro is yeah. a hit for me. So kids come in after their youth camp and rah-rah, rally time, and your video pops up. And it, it turns up. out teenagers are still, hey, humans are still as narcissistic as they were they they 20 years. They want to see themselves. They want to see their friends, They want, but really they want to see themselves. True. And here's the thing that I've, t- I've been doing this camp for about, I don't know, a long time. And now our kids go to it, so that's pretty cool too. But um, I think I'm like the fourth personality on the list. You know, you got the speaker, <laughs> you're the video, and guy. then you got the worship leader, and mm. then and then it's like me because I have labored hard <laughs> to get these videos right and to do fun things to the degree that now kids, I'm like their best friend. Yeah. Yeah, and so if I would, if I had attention needs, mm. I would love this because I'm like everybody's hero. If okay. I can get them on the screen. You don't have attention needs. I don't have attention needs. Yes, I feel pretty you, good about myself. You, you have so you are lying right now. You, we all have attention needs. If you yeah, didn't, you'd but be I like, I don't have them like a three has them. Okay, what, do you have to bring the Enneagram into every talk? It's not just about the Enneagram. I understand. I'm just so you, you of course, have attention needs. But well, yes, your attention, does, you like it from the right people. Correct. You want it from certain, not necessarily teenager uh, Not necessarily the 12-year-old who needs to look like Gollum. Yes, yeah, exactly. No, no. Well, okay. No offense if you're a 12-year-old and you look like Gollum. I mean, use that to your advantage. <laughs> that could be a great thing. Could be good. Um, you could be up next on the next Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Sunday's camp next uh, year, kids, and you'll get on the screen. Well, summer has been interesting. You know, in the line of work that we do here at JSL and serving the population that we serve, um, 
many of our women are, are battling mental illness. Many of them are battling with addiction and sobriety. And of course, many of them, as you know, through our Access program and Access 2, are um, especially in Access 2 are entrepreneurial driven. So they're trying to get businesses off the ground. And um, it's just summer, while we like to think of it as this space for a deep, long breath, or kind of like when we get ready for the holidays and we think, oh, doesn't everybody just take a break to enjoy family? No, that's when the you-know-what hits the fan. And and it's no, summer is no exception to that. It no, is, you know, we, it used to be our slow time, but that was before we really got deep into the weeds with people. Yeah, and I, I just think there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure, especially for women who... Um, our moms, I mean, for all of us who are moms, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, rich, poor, working, not working, you, you have the burden of children at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to figure out what to do with them. You know, what are you going to do with you? And then if you're working on top of that, and it's all like, how do you maintain a steady work pace and do your job well? And you've got this, but add trauma, add addiction on top of that, add mental health, you know, um, medications. And of course there's all the changes and the heat. I mean, if you're living in Texas too, I mean, I mean, at at some point (laughs) you don't even have to have a clinical depression at some point. And it's probably going to hit probably in September because we don't get a cool down till like later October. I mean, maybe Halloween, we're kind of lucky if a cool breeze pops in, Totally, but we're going to all be a little bit off our rocker and, well, it makes in. you edgy too. I mean, yeah. if you don't, if you're listening, you live up north and you've got, you know, you're like, oh, it's hot, it's eighty degrees. Yeah, that's a don't b- even talk to me, right? <laughs> right. And so you've got weather, of course, that affects us biologically too. But then, um, just the pace, like you're you're off your rhythms. Like mm-hmm. nothing is the same. You know, your exercise schedule might change a little bit, and your eating habits, because it's like the kids are like, let's go out for ice cream. It's summer, and here are snow cones, and if you're drinking, it's like somebody has a cocktail, and so you, you're constantly having to go. Oh, I don't think I need that right now. But people are having margaritas, and it's a weeknight, and I don't really drink on weeknights, and but now I do because it's summer, and you know, it's like it's all those things like happening at once. And for us, um, with our organization, this impacts our staff, and it and what we want to talk about is. When everything hits the fan, how do you take care of yourself and how do you take care of your staff? Because that is so important in an organization when you're dealing with like emotional stress. So Brett, let's talk about, I mean, can we just talk about some of the things that we've been facing last the last few days? Uh, yeah, let's just... I mean, this is still moment yeah. by moment new developments. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a movie. Like you could write a script and have characters going on. I mean, it, it's it's crazy town going on up in here. But it's life. It's people's life. It's just real world. It's just, yeah. Because it's not even only, you know, a lot of us think what we're dealing with in our organization is just all we have to deal with. But the truth is we still have relationships outside of our organization, and everyone has experienced trauma to some degree, and they may or may not be taking care of themselves. And because we work with a lot of trauma, we end up getting calls from other people and other organizations mm-hmm. who 
or other facets of our lives who are suddenly, you know, in a crisis of an affair or a crisis of divorce or, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a DUI or, you know, drug addiction or the family member who is now in jail. And it's like, what do we do? We don't know. We haven't dealt with this. And it just feels like it's everywhere. Well, and you know, if, if you work in a kind of a situation where you like punch your clock, you Mm -hmm. you check in, check out and you live in kind of a controlled environment. It's like, I know I'm going to do this today and there's not going to be a lot of variation. That's awesome on some levels because then you can kind of handle the craziness of life. But like, I will say for us, every, someone asks me all the time, what's an, what's an, what's an average day at JSL like? Mm -hmm. And you know, we're 16 years into this deal and I still don't know what an average day looks like right. because we never know. I mean, just Tuesday mm-hmm. of this week, we're doing stop demand. The district yeah. attorney is reviewing the class. Mm-hmm. And, and for the district attorney to give up an entire eight hours of his day was huge. Yeah. And so I wanted to treat him to lunch. I wanted to bring him to our headquarters mm-hmm. and see our facilities and what we're doing and providing him with lunch. And so I'm, you know, I'm entertaining someone mm-hmm. and I want to, you know, give a great impression. And so I wanted things to be just right. And I walk in the front door with him and all of a sudden, yeah, we there's have... someone there yeah. that was not on the list to be there. <laughs> now, yeah. one of two things could have happened. I could have been frustrated by that mm-hmm. or embarrassed by that. or mm-hmm. But that's JSL. You just totally. pivot and welcome everyone into Absolutely. the fold. And so now we have the DA at the table and we had a homeless woman at the uh-huh, table. Right. And we all had lunch together. And Well, a, she ended well, up, she ended up moving leaving early. On, yeah. but, but it was... It was just this interesting, even for him, it was like, oh, okay, this yeah. is great. Yeah, well, and it's it's what we do. So, yeah. I mean, hello, that's that's the point of why we're here. Um, yeah, we. so your week, you had Stop Demand on the table. Last week, we, st- we started noticing three women who were really pivoting on that um, kind of tip-over point of either mental illness um, meds not working out correctly, some suicidal ideation, um, and one of our women, and then, uh, two other who were dealing with relapse, mm-hmm. one in town, one out of town, um, you know, just incredible women love, love, love each of them so uniquely and so wholeheartedly. I mean, I hope for them. I still have hope for them, even in the midst of what's going on. However, we were spun and shook by one case. And I mean, it it really took it out of some of our volunteer team because basically we found out a series of lies. That years long. Years of kind of lying and manipulating and triangulating through multiple organizations and agencies that all the pieces, it was like we got this one piece of information that something was fabricated and it was like a domino effect. It was like, we then saw this that because that was fabricated. Oh my gosh, this was fabricated. And oh, whoa, that was, oh, well, I need to check in on this agency and make sure what they know about this. And was she ever diagnosed or treated or what are we, and what we found out is we have one of, you know, we have known and been in relationship potentially with one of the highest functioning sick individuals that 
has been untreated Mm -hmm. for her mental illness. Mm -hmm. And it's just fascinating how like her brain and body have been able to survive. But what it has meant is that a lot of agencies and helping healing professionals that aren't necessarily clinicians, but are obviously these charitable organizations, church organizations, (laughs) these people who all need to be an (laughs) (laughs) Al-Anon, who have the fixing disease, um, have come around and enabled her. Mm -hmm. And... That was the reality that that shook me and really shook our volunteers because I had this moment of, um, you know, the three years that I've been in Al-Anon of, of work kind of smack me up in the face and say, okay, now that you see this, you're going to have to let her go. Like, really, if she gets picked up by the, the law or if she gets you know, into a mental institute or is sent to Austin State Hospital, is deemed whatever, like, you still love her. And one of the biggest revelations that I had is I was talking to this team of people in another town who were kind of JSL extensions of care by proxy, and they were all God-fearing, God-loving, you know, people who really wanted to help this woman out, who had opened up their home, had opened up their wallets to some degree on providing, you know, taxi and Uber lifts to work. I mean, she's hireable. She'd, she'd been in a job. But the whole time, she had been lying to us about... <laughs> a really significant thing. And and then we were all a little bit dumbfounded. And so one of the things I talked to the Dallas team about is what does it look like to love someone but not trust someone? Because you can. You can love someone and not trust someone. That's big. But you cannot have a healthy relationship with someone and not have trust. And that has been my big, big, over the past week, I'm like, it is possible for me to love people in the way of Christ, the way that Christ, and not to trust them a lick, not to trust what's coming out of their mouths. And you know what the only difference is between that and having trust in a healthy relationship is expectations. Mm. If I have a healthy relationship, you and me, and we've built trust, there are some expectations that I can have of you. When you say you're going to show up for our family and come to dinner, I expect you to be there Mm -hmm. because I trust you. But when I'm loving someone who's severely mentally ill or is struggling with addiction over, you know, over and over again, um, or who is a trafficking survivor and is, you know, got a gamut of maybe even things that we don't even know yet. You know, she's just surviving, Um, there is a way for me to love them with so much compassion, but not have all these expectations wrapped up. And I think that is the challenge for organizations and the church Mm -hmm. to love people without all of these expectations so that you can draw your healthy boundaries. Yeah. You know, I think hearing you say all those things, I firmly agree. And I think for a lot of people, because so many people don't understand or they've never even been around addiction, mm-hmm. people in, in addiction, or they've never, they've never understood mental illness. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 
you know, some people think mental illness are people who are locked up in a mental hospital. Right, right, right. And there are so many people that own companies and oh, yeah. lawyers and judges and politicians and doctors. And chaplains and ministers and who, worship leaders. Who struggle with mental illness Completely. and they present like normal people or average people <laughs> until healthy. Yeah, until there's something, you know, the chemical kicks in in their brain and they respond differently. And, and so I think for a lot of church people in particular, they wonder why this particular individual was acting the way that they were acting. Yeah. And it's because of that deep mental illness. And, you know, I think even the lying factor, one of the things that working here and being around people in addiction has, has showed me is the degree and the proficiency that people can lie. Yeah. Like I think back to a former access class and mm-hmm. there was an issue that I had to confront each student on. Mm-hmm. Somebody was lying mm-hmm. and 100% of them lied to my face. Absolutely. And here's the deal. I hate it when somebody lies to my face. I know. Now, eventually we figured out the, the issue, but I I walked away and just thought, wow, wow, they right. are good. Yeah. Like they are so good because yeah. I was putting the pressure on them. Yeah. And they were so good. Yeah. And they were all addicts as well. And because that is how the brain survives. I mean, right. that is not them morally, you know, choosing to necessarily be this horrible person. They they probably would love to be able to tell you the truth, yes. but the truth has meant trouble for them. Right. You're right. It is survival. It, 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 it And it's almost like the kid who doesn't want to tell the truth because he might get spanked or he yeah. might get something taken away. And so you don't want those negative effects to happen. And so you kind of change the truth yeah. to get a positive reaction, or at least just a, a neutral reaction yeah. because nobody wants the negative. Right. And, and, and we've got to start relating with people with at least a neutral response. I think, yes. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry. In terms Did of truth, you know, if you, if you, I can handle your truth and it may hurt and it may sting and I may have to, I may have to navigate that, mm-hmm. but to be able to create a space where you can tell me the truth and we can get in the weeds together mm-hmm. and yes, there may be consequences, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's born out of love. It's not born out of discipline. Like, do mm-hmm. you, you, you follow what I'm saying? Well, I mean, punishment. Versus discipline. Correct, correct. Yes. So discipline is part of love. Correct. But not necessarily a punitive. Punitive. That's yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. Um, yeah, clearly. We're not psychologists here, guys. <laughs> no, we're music people. We are learning. We are <laughs> we are trying to process all this. So we we rely on a lot of mental health experts for what we do for our own personal care of ourselves and then also just to help guide and shape what we're learning and understanding about addiction, about mental illness, and then about severe mental illness, which oh, yeah. is very different. You know, we've had women who struggle with um, dissociative identity disorder, where there's a lot of alters that that come out and need care and tending to, where the brain is fragmented into different personality. It used to be called multiple personality disorders, but it's they call them alters now. And... Um, it's really where the brain totally dissociates and another alter personality comes forth in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And the only common thread that we've been able to see in that or that mental health experts have seen is just 
continued, repeated, severe childhood trauma. Um, and so it is, it's just been remarkable to me, you know, and there's so many, I think it just makes it, I was talking to Rebecca, who's our director of access and she's a licensed art therapist. And we were just talking about all of, all of the situations that were happening. And she said, you know, there's just, there's so many in the world. There's so many that you're living life among who are undiagnosed. I mean, there's just so many of us who aren't getting treatment, who who need to be getting treatment, but there is still such a stigma of shame yeah. attached to mental health disorders. Um, and all of us are on the spectrum to some degree. All of us go through, I mean, our autonomic, you know, nervous system is going through fight, flight, or freeze all the time. We may be experiencing moments of anxiety, but, you know, when it becomes a disorder and it's disrupting your day-to-day life, it you need so much care and love and help. And we've got to remove that shame factor, you know, from it because there's just so many. But if you're in a profession, this is what I want to also talk about. Okay, so here's our staff. We're holding space for all of this. I mean, we're driving to rehab, you know, for women, try to get state funding doesn't come through, non-insured. So then we have to get her into another rehab. And then we've, you know, all the things that go along just with one person. But, you know, you multiply that out and it's a lot. And so... After Monday's day, which was this long weekend where we kind of were on edge and getting moment by moment relay of the lie that had gone on, and then we've got another woman in relapse mode that we're going to have to find a treatment center for, by Monday afternoon, we were fried. Fried. But Chicken you, fried. I was fried, and then you, you'd kind of stayed peripheral out of it because you had stopped demand coming up where you're well, dealing and, with. And well, when y'all were uncovering the lies, I was at youth camp, remember? So I'm in youth camp mode. That's and right. I'm getting highlights in the evening of what's going on, mm-hmm. but I'm not in the thick of it like yeah. you guys are. But then we hit the ground running yeah. on Monday and everything so, starts going and then it stopped a man on Tuesday and yeah. that's a thing in and of itself. Yes. That we're going to talk about down the road on the podcast. But right. Yeah, because that's a lot for you to bear too. And those days end up being really heavy days for you as you're dealing with a ton of hard content. But what does it mean for us to care for our organization, for our staff? And what do you, what are some things you can encourage your staff to do to take care of themselves? And let's just talk about like how we responded, you know, how did, well, first of all, I came home. I popped in the office after driving 5 a.m. to Dallas and back and then getting her into a Waco rehab facility. But I was like, I'm going home. I'm going home. I am going to take a nap. And I'm not coming back into the office today. I mean, it was a Monday. Yeah. It was a Monday. Um, so that's what I did. And then... Was it Tuesday that we ended up for the staff? When, when was that? Well, no, not Tuesday because I was in the thing. Oh, yeah. You were in Stop Demand Tuesday. No, it was Wednesday. We got, through, we got through Stop Demand, and then it was like, we've got to make some space. Yeah. Our staff is fried. I mean, listen, 
I would love to say working here is a 40 hour week job and it, you know, it falls within these hour boundaries. But the truth is when you're serving people, they don't always go on your schedule. And, um, so our staff, they work, they work, they work beyond their job descriptions. Um, they work beyond regular hours. Um, and, but they can also take off. They do. They, so they can take off. And, and mental health but days it's, it's are important. It's one thing to take off on your own, but it's another to be in an environment where you guys can take off together and process. And I think what we realized was we needed to take a day to all of us take off together. Mm-hmm. And we had a staff play day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you and I were bouncing ideas. What can we do? What can mm-hmm. we do? And of course I love the surprise factor. So I'm like, don't tell them, don't say anything mm-hmm. to them. Cause it'd be a surprise. I think everyone should enjoy surprises, but what you've taught me is not everybody <laughs> enjoys surprises. Don't always love it, but sometimes it's fun. It's, no, it's no, a good one. So we sent out a note and I, I kept thinking, Oh, well maybe they have meetings, cancel your meetings. So mm-hmm. of course I'm at a meeting. So I was like, just, can you cancel it? If you can cancel it, cancel it. And one of our staff members doesn't work every single day. She's got different hours. Okay, so we got everybody there. We go to lunch, and then it's like, let's go play. We're, mm-hmm. gonna, we're not going back to the office until the day's over. Yeah. And so we go to the Mayborn Museum, <laughs> which is the children. That's where all the moms yeah. with kids go. That's right, Playdate Central. And we went and owned that place. <laughs> and they were having this thing with astronauts, and I was in heaven and playing And we games. brought our kids, or we brought our teenagers with us, too, because that was fun, and we had a good time with them. And it was fun just to be outside of the space. Yeah. We had some conversations about work, but then we laughed a lot and Mm -hmm. talked about other things, you know, um, relationships outside of work Mm -hmm. and who likes who. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just was almost lighthearted for a second, Mm -hmm. just for a second in the week. Yeah. For us to catch our breaths and go, okay. Yeah. We've been dealing with a lot this week. Yeah. We can do this. We want to take a quick second to tell you about an incredible social enterprise. Lovely Enterprises is the social enterprise of Jesus Said Love, and its aim is reducing recidivism into the sex industry by providing livable wage jobs and launching micro-businesses. So take a listen to Stephanie, one of our entrepreneurs, applying for her Lovely Microloan. Lovely has given me the steps and connections that I need to turn my passion into a business. It's a business that I, as a single mother, can run with ease, all the while teaching my kids some business essentials so that they will go down a different path other than the one that I chose. So check out Lovely online at ourlovelystore.com. We're also on Instagram as Lovely Enterprises and on Pinterest. Or you can come visit us in person at 1500 Columbus Avenue, Waco, Texas. Everything we make and sell is ethically sourced and socially responsible. Listen, if you're a boutique owner, we can also create a wholesale account for you, just like we do with our friends at Magnolia. When you shop Lovely, you literally change lives. And I think it's really, um, I think you've got to, and we need to do even a better job of building in those times for group, just release, just just staff kind of, because we're all, even though we're not all one-on-one directing or not directing, but um, directly in contact all the time with serious traumatic things, even the content of what we're dealing with is traumatic. (laughs) Oh, every single day. You know what I mean? Like there's not one 
you know, even if we're talking about lovely, which is like the sunshine of JSL, which is, you know, social enterprise and it's so much fun, we're still solving a really sad problem. Well, and I, <laughs> you know, I think about Pamela, who is yeah. our executive assistant. Uh huh. And, you know, newly graduated from Baylor. Mm-hmm. She started out as an intern and now she's our executive assistant and dealing with the craziness of our schedules and emails and mm-hmm. scheduling this and that. But she still is confronted with the horrors yeah. of what we do. She still hears conversations. Right. She may not be directly dealing with a client, yeah. but she may be here by herself and someone comes to the door and she gets to be Jesus to that person who's yeah. in trauma right. even still. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're working with clients mm-hmm. or you're in the great room and there's someone who's coming off meth laying on the couch. Mm-hmm. You're still in that. You still yeah. see it. You still engage it. You smell it. You hear it. Um, and it still affects you. Yeah, it does. It's, it has to go somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it just has to go somewhere. So one of the gifts that I've had over the past three years is being a part of um, my Al-Anon group. And I think that um, for me, it has been a lifeline. It has been meetings that that I probably... <laughs> your eyes... I can totally Did you hear hear. My eyes? Oh yeah. You've been sipping on that. I keep hearing it. Um but it's been just consistently a place where I feel so loved and so cared for and it's free. Anyone who has had addiction in their family, in their relationships, friendships or in their workplace, Al-Anon is where where it's at. It's just I really really believe in it so so much. Um So this is something that we read, and this is talking about boundaries. And I think it's so helpful because um, I think when we start dealing with, if you're a boss, if you're a CEO, if you're an exec, if you're a manager, if you're in charge of anything or anyone, then the overwhelming sense of responsibility that can sometimes attach itself to you can feel all-consuming. And one of the hardest things that you will have to learn to do in your work, in your professional development, in your personal development is how to take care of yourself. We teach our kids how to work, but how many of us parents are actually teaching our kids to listen to their bodies, to listen to their feelings, and to take a nap if they need to, to listen, to take care of themselves. Are we asking our children to burn themselves out on projects, on deadlines, on people, on friendships, on showing up and looking perfect? I mean, what are you asking of your kids to do? Or work ethic. I mean, you or think work about, you ethic. Know, we, what do we, we idolize? work ethic, sure. but what's the work ethic on taking care of yourself? Exactly. We don't praise that. It has to be a balance. So there's things that we each have to... If we're going to stay the course, first of all, if we're going to just be healthy humans, like physically healthy humans, but then second of all, if you have a goal, a vision, a dream, a business that you have, a passion, a church, a ministry, you have to take care of yourself. You have to do it. So this um, this is in a book called Courage to Change, um, One Day at a Time in Al-Anon 2. So it's it's a little book called Courage to Change. I believe I even found this <clears throat> on Amazon. But it says, many of us come to Al-Anon confused. We are so focused on our alcoholic loved ones that we may not be able to see where they leave off and where we begin. We've lost our sense of what is appropriate 
How can we distinguish between acceptable and unacceptable behavior when we don't even know what we want or what we need? My four-step inventory helped me to discover who I am, what my values are, and the behavior I would like to keep and the things I'd like to change. With this in mind, I am working to establish new behavior that reflects my integrity and expresses my true values, where in the past, I've allowed unacceptable behavior, I now can choose a different response. I must consistently do what I say I'm going to do. Today, I have the courage and faith to be true to myself, whether or not others like or agree with me. I must remember that announcing my new ways to others is not nearly as important as knowing what my own limits are and acting accordingly. Okay, and here's, it always has these little reminders. Today's reminder, I will remember that knowing my boundaries does not mean forcing others to change. It means that I know my own limits and take care of myself by respecting them. The focus today is on me. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, the first phrase that jumps out that I, I love and it feels so freeing to me is I can choose. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can choose to set my boundaries. I can choose... A different response. A different mm-hmm. response. I can choose no response. Mm-hmm. Um, I can choose to... I can choose. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we live in such a culture, particularly in the South, mm-hmm. that... Many are mandated by manners Mm -hmm. and manners tell you what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. And if you operate outside of what the established traditional manners are, then you have been violating something Mm -hmm. in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's just, that's just bull. Mm -hmm. It just is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I can choose to take care of myself and that's not selfish. Right. It's another thing. It's like, we always have to think about others before ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. which means you can't love your neighbor until you love yourself. Yeah. Or the way you love yourself determines how you love your neighbor. Yeah. That's, so. so you've got to, I mean, I just came from lunch today. Yeah. A three hour lunch. It mm-hmm. was supposed to only be an hour mm-hmm. with a friend who's going through some stuff mm-hmm. and we ended up talking some Enneagram. I had to talk about Enneagram, but we talked some <laughs> Enneagram stuff. He thought he was one number. And I said, have you looked at the eight? Because mm. the way you're talking, I so resonate with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you've got some work to do. Yeah. And and I have some work to do. And I've been working. And mm-hmm. I've seen some changes played mm-hmm. in that because of the way that I wa- am wired up as an eight. I perceive and think about things. And um, I can choose take care of myself. Yeah. And the way that we care for ourselves, our point in life is not just about us as individuals. We are created for a bigger purpose than just, I mean, we're so small and limited and finite. So Mm -hmm. everything we do in this life really does matter. And it really does count even beyond what we can see, but we can't be a part of loving others in the way that Christ has told us to love. And we can't be a part of this greater purpose if we're not also taking responsibility 
for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so part of the work, especially for those of us who maybe have had a family member who struggled with mental illness or you've experienced abandonment or you've experienced trauma and childhood sexual abuse, or your mom's an alcoholic, your dad's an alcoholic, your brother sold drugs out of your bedroom or whatever it is. A lot of us have had so much that we have to grieve and that we have to make space for so that we can see others in a compassionate way. The goal is not just you taking care of yourself so that you can be a narcissist and only think about... The point is that you are so taking... You know that you're so okay. You're okay. You are loved. You're enough. You are wonderfully unique and totally common, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And then you can let go and be able to receive everything else that comes your way in life in the form of, you know, I I had the conversation with this back to the one woman who all of her lies unraveled. She got kicked out of her sober living environment, had to come home to Waco, which, you know, no one else ended up helping her get there. She found her own way. Um, But she called me and I'm not avoiding her calls. But what I am able to say is, here's how I can help you and here's how I can't help you. And if I have space to have a conversation with you on the phone and let you know that you are loved and valued, I can do that when I have space for it, for sure. But I can't, I'm not a counselor. I, I can't treat, I can't diagnose, I can't, I can't do any of that. So I'm going to keep referring you to a mental health professional, you know? And that was a really really honest conversation. And you know what? She doesn't hate me. And I it, it actually went really well. It was actually a really beautiful conversation. Which that in your nature is hard for you. What? Being able to set that bound. At least it used to be. Well, that's why I'm an Al-Anon. I know. I mean, yeah. I, I have struggled with... Um, walls instead of fences and boundaries I'm learning aren't walls. Boundaries are movable. So where boundaries are not, I'm never going to be vulnerable. So I'm going to build this big brick wall and never let you in again. And that's what I would do. If I got hurt, there were those tendencies to like wall people off and, and, you know, just, and then I would try to let them back in, but it would be like in a really terrible way where I didn't really know instead of having this fence where I could go, Oh, okay. I trust you here a little bit. Mm, nope. We're going to move that fence back a little or move it. You know, <laughs> have you ever moved the fence on me? Totally. I knew it. Yes. Don't you, you All just build walls. No, I don't build walls. I just hide behind them. <laughs> They're just already there. They're just already there. They were already there. Okay. I was born with them. Oh my gosh, you're a mess. Okay, so I want to give everyone in. I want to give you guys some signs of burnout. Okay. Okay. So these came from Rebecca, who is our director of access. She printed these off for our entire staff. Um, and so here's some signs of burnout. This comes from the Happily Imperfect blog, Psych Central. We'll attach this on our notes, but um. Okay, signs you're burned out. Dread going to work. Mm. Sunday night blues. Mm-hmm. 
stress-related health problems like headaches, insomnia, muscle tension, joint pain, always tired, work long hours and your work never seems to be finished, apathy, resentment, irritability, difficulty concentrating, making more mistakes than usual, procrastination, decreased productivity, missing deadlines, boredom, disillusionment, giving up or not setting professional goals, conflicts with colleagues or supervisors, use of unhealthy coping, alcohol, drugs, and food. So That's a long list there, Em. And hey, here's the deal. We're going to be tired sometimes. We're all going to have feelings of resentment. We're all going to be irritable sometimes. Here's what here's what happens to me when I read some uh, some, of the, some of these lists because I'm an Enneagram one. So here I am bringing the Enneagram. I think I'm all of these things. And I think I'm horrible. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think oh my gosh, you know. But the truth is is that um, you know some days I might. Um, some I I do I I remember a season where I experienced Sunday night blues for sure, and I was like, I've got you know what can I make of my Mondays that are going to help? Like, what can I make of my Sundays to to prepare, and then what can I make of my Mondays that will be something to look forward to? Um, and then yeah, I I think this is just a great list to go listen. We're all going to experience some of these, but if they're if you've got like five or six working all at once. It's time to do some time to check yoga. Yourself. Time, time to check yourself. Okay. Um, here is, I want, this is also really great for, this is what they call compassion fatigue. So this is a list, a hallmark sign of compassion fatigue. So this is where if, of where those you get tired of being compassionate. Totally. So nurses encounter this a lot. People in helping oh, people professions, helping. you know, case managers, um, in our line of work. So ministers, ministers, listen up. Mm-hmm. So this is compassion fatigue, um, sadness and grief, nightmares, avoidance, addiction, Somatic complaints, and these are complaints, obviously somatic means relating to the body. So joint pain, headaches, um, hip, you know, pain, um, (laughs) my sweet hips, they give me away every time. My hips are like, you're done. The hips don't lie. Go to yoga. Um, Somatic complaints, um, increased psychological arousal, changes in beliefs, expectations, and assumptions. Witness guilt, detachment, decreased intimacy, and the symptoms of compassion uh, fatigue mirror PTSD. Their physical, psychological distress, cognitive shifts, relational disturbances. So, this is a great, a little more intensive checklist, but these can be triggered when you have prolonged exposure to trauma, like material of clients, you know, if you're consistently handling secondary trauma, that can be a trigger. Um, your work environment, work-related attitudes can trigger compassion fatigue, empathy and emotional energy, like the amount of empathy that you're continually having to, you know, call upon can be a trigger for some of those other signs and symptoms. Made me think of teachers too. Oh, totally. That's a, yes, that's great. As you're great. getting ready to start turning the corner towards back yes. to school. Yes, yes. 
Um, okay, so here's the last list that I want to read. You can we just stop for a second? I know I love lists. You just love lists. Yeah, I do. So anyway, not to take up more of our listeners' time. I love that you love lists. Yeah, because this is just great content, and I wish we could like have Rebecca. We're going to have to have Rebecca on here so we can kind of dig in and talk more about these. But just for right now, as I read this list, warning signs of trauma exposure response. Let me tell you. I thought of the church. Mm. I thought of the church because overall, in some ways, just when I read this list, see if you don't think that some preachers are preaching out of a trauma response. Oh, now you're meddling. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Warning signs of trauma exposure response. Feeling helpless or hopeless. A sense that one can never do enough, hypervigilance, like remaining hypervigilant, like we're, we are going to be vigilant about, right? We're in the Lord's eye. Hypervigilance. Yeah, we have a battle to fight, you know, we're just vigilance against, we're against whatever. Diminished creativity. That's a, that's a sign. How, how creative are churches being? Mm. Right? Diminished creativity when you're signs of trauma exposure response. Inability to embrace complexity. Mm. Minimizing. You're not, you're not suffering. You don't have depression. You don't have... No, you just you need more have, faith. You don't have depression. You just backslidden. That's right. Uh, chronic exhaustion and physical ailments, inability to listen, inability to listen <laughs> is a sign of trauma exposure response. Disassociative moments, mm. a sense of persecution. Wow. Guilt, fear, anger, cynicism, inability to empathize, addiction and grandiosity, an inflated sense of one's work. Do you notice how addiction showed up on all those? Oh, man. Totally. Addiction and knows we all no have bounds. No, and, and we all, right? And to some degree have maybe not, um, I think Richard, what's his breathing underwater, Mm-hmm. Addiction in the 12 Steps is a, a great resource. I know that there's a lot of Celebrate Recovery communities and a lot of 12-step programs within faith communities that utilize his book. I think he even has an online course, um, Breathing Underwater, that talks about addiction. But so much you know, of us, are, so many of us, whether my disease for sure is controlling and fixing you know, and getting obsessed about fixing the problem. And cannot let it go. And so I've had to learn, like, I am not overly responsible for everyone else's problem. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to fix it. The other morning, I woke up, and I literally, my waking thought was about Hattie's college career. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's like, that's the first thought I thought about when I woke up. It's like, is she sending enough film into different volleyball coaches did, did she do what it takes should we be taking out more money for more camps to get her in front of other i mean i that was my waking thought 
Can I tell you, though, that I'm a little bit glad about that because you didn't wake up and think he's snoring. He <laughs> has sleep apnea. He... You don't. You've been doing good because you've been doing. Yeah, I've been doing good. You've been doing your work. But all that to say, yes, we each have our obsessions and our guilt. And one of the things that Al-Anon teaches is whose world are you waking up in? Mm, I that's was, good. Whose world are you waking up in? Because yeah. I was waking up in Hattie's world. Yeah. Hattie's sleeping fine. Yep. But I was waking up in her world. I don't have to manage. You don't, I don't have to have wake to, up in her I world. I can support. I, don't, I do not have to do it. So um, we're also going to post the real self-care bingo on our... This is that sheet that Rebecca <laughs> Wait a printed out. What is it? You got, a, you got one of these on your desk. I did. Were you gone last week? For the third time in this podcast. No, no, yes, no. Yes, I was but gone last week. Is that when she put this... Okay. No, I think you were here. If you didn't read it, it's because you didn't want to. Listen, uh, confession, I sometimes put that stuff aside. Well. That's, that's my work to do. I'm admitting it. I'm taking yeah. responsibility. Well, I'll, but I'll make is sure. Is this a game that we're going to all play together and you'll bingo? No, this is for your, this is from on Instagram at Lisa Oliveira Therapy, um, but it's a chart, so... Real self-care bingo. Obviously, we all know self-care is not just manis and petties and massages or shopping, right? Sure, yeah. Real self-care is a lot more intentional. So it's like I said no when I wanted to say no. I practiced setting boundaries. I spent time with people who nourish and support me. Um, I paid my bills instead of buying another pair of shoes. Mm. Uh, I decluttered my space. Here's one that I was like, I did not do that this week. I did my laundry before the pile got overwhelming. Nope. Hey. <laughs> so anyway, it's a great, I stay hydrated and ate enough. I drank soda water instead of wine when I was feeling down. I journaled, created art. Um, so these are all real self-care um, tips. And it is just it's so helpful. So this is something good to look at and just evaluate where you're at with caring and nurturing for your own self. So we'll put that up there so that you can download that and you yeah, know, and give I, it to all your coworkers and your family. Give it your to your children. kids. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say this. I, if we were having this discussion four years ago, I would have a totally different perspective on this. Mm. And what would that perspective it be? It would be a closed off this is just bullshit mm. perspective. Mm. But as I, as you have invited me, and I want to say it that way, you have invited me. You didn't force me. You didn't make me. You didn't hold things over my head to move into this world mm. of, I need to check in with myself. Mm-hmm. I'm real good about checking with everybody else, mm-hmm. but I'm terrible at checking in with myself because I already know I can do everything in the world. At least mm. that's the lie that I've, taught myself since I was a little kid, but I can't do it all. Mm -hmm. And the stuff that we shoulder here, I can't just plow through all the time. I Mm -hmm. have to check in. What do I need? Mm -hmm. Um, And you're right. It's not always about manis and petties and I don't do that, but (laughs) it's not. Yeah. And even like the, the luxuries that we think, oh, I just need a seven day cruise or a not cruise because we don't like cruises. I've never been on one, but, but, or I just need to go away to a fancy hotel and, and those things are good. Like I love a vacation, but there's ways to care for yourself right where you're at, right where you're at. You know, I think about that guy, you know, well, two, two things really quickly. Um, is it Europeans that have like, they work 10 months out of the year Mm. and they holiday the rest of the two. And Mm -hmm. of course it's dispersed, but 
Mm-hmm. And they're some of the happiest mm-hmm. uh, employees, mm-hmm. easy to work for, things mm-hmm. like that. Just I'm generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But this other guy, I think you told me about it. He works six weeks on. Yeah, Eli the hip hop preacher. Eli the hip hop. He I works think that's six his name. weeks on hardcore, six weeks. Yeah, and then he's Sabbath. off. Sabbath. It's a Sabbath principle, so it's six weeks on, one solid week off. I you love know. that idea. Yeah. And, and then he'll take, of course, a vacate. He'll, you know, take vacations and sure. Stuff like that, and but. you know, that's great. But even to just take a week off at home mm-hmm. where you, where you focus on yourself, you focus on your family, you focus on your, your responsibility, Enjoyment. Your personal responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I just see the value in that now. Mm-hmm. And I've chosen the hard way mm-hmm. to see that, but I see the fruits of that. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing. Well, I think for for all of us, um, if you are a leader, um, the onus is on you. You cannot expect your staff and, and your organization will only be as healthy as as you are. Uh, what you do off the clock determines who you are on the clock. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you have any kind of leadership capacity, um, the onus is on you to model what taking your care of yourself looks like. And I, I just think it's so imperative. And the reality of that is we're all in leadership. Oh, It doesn't yes. matter if you're at the top of the position or if you're right, in the big right, right. office. If you're mopping the floors, you're in leadership yeah. of some sort. Yeah. We're all in leadership, but we all have to take responsibility for ourselves. Yeah. And there's so many helpful resources out there. Some of our favorites will link to this as well. The Allender Center uh, podcast is a great one. They also have different uh, workshops around the country. Dr. Allender, we're a big fan of his work and research over the past 30, 40 years. Um, we also... Uh, Miles Adcox, I think, is a great resource as well. He's out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and then the Place We Find Ourselves podcast is also another good one. Adam Young is a psychologist uh, who does a lot of great work on story and uh, why it matters and trauma responses. He even has one on the Enneagram and trauma. So um, there's just a lot of good, good resources. We're so fortunate to have such a wealth of resources, but you can know all the things and not do any not of do them. <laughs> so it really is find yourself some people in your life, you know, find a coworker that you want to go walk around the block with, you know, talk to your boss about, Hey, can we have a group staff? Can we just once a month take a play day as a staff? Um, tell your boss what you want. Cause sometimes leaders need to be reminded that they're killing you. <laughs> sometimes they need to be reminded, like it's okay to slow down and like smell the roses and see what na- what's happening in nature or go play and remember who we are as humans. You know what else I would say? I mean, some, some listening might go, well, that sounds like accountability. And I would say this, I, when I hear the word accountability, at times I kind of shudder mm. because the version of accountability that I was raised with was I'm going to get in his world. Mm. I'm going to get in your world and mm. kind of you know, set you straight. Mm. That is not accountability. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. Accountability is looking at someone and saying, I know you got it in you. You can do this. Mm-hmm. Now, that may come with some hard insight. Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody to get in my world. I need someone to believe in me and to, to invite me to believe in myself as well. Yeah. And, you, and accountability is also mutual. Yeah. 
there's mutuality there. And it's not necessarily this hierarchy. Yep. It's it's someone, yes, stepping into your world with love and compassion, but also letting you step into their world. Oh, yeah. And when that doesn't Some happen... Some accountability partners don't like that. That they is like spiritually abusive yes. if it's done in the context of... Well, it's psychologically abusive if it's not in the context of faith. If it's in the context of faith, it's both psychologically and spiritually abusive. Yes. If someone is not... Um, at all able to give you, um, if, if you're calling someone a friend and they are just ripping you a new one every week and calling it accountability, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's, it's so life giving. I mean, again, the, la- the lunch I just left, mm. I mean, I heard things that I, you know, I could have gotten in his world. Sure. We were done and I looked at him and I grabbed him by the shoulders and I mm-hmm. looked deep into his eyes and I said, you have what it takes. You mm-hmm. can do this and it's mm-hmm. going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But you've got it. Mm-hmm. You got to dig deep. Yeah. And nobody else can do it but you. Right. And I thought he was going to sob his face mm-hmm. off. Yeah. And he said, I need more of this in my life. Yeah. And I said, I do too. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, uh, we hope y'all take care of yourselves this week as the summer is kind of coming to an end and fall is cranking up. That's so weird to say. What? That summer's coming to an end. It's July the 17th. Okay, well, school starts. I'm in, July the nineteenth. <laughs> it's winding down. I mean, we're we're pretty much little That's over right. halfway Summer's through. Summer's pretty much over August first nowadays with everybody yeah, playing sports. Yeah, school and, and sports. Yeah, and all that kind of good stuff. So, you know, take care of yourselves. Make sure to take an inventory about where your care meter and love meter is for your own self. Um, check in with your body. Uh, check in with your therapist, check in with your recovery group and do the things that are important because you're worth it. And the world needs you to show up fully alive. And let people know they can do it. Yep. We can yep, do yep. it. We, we can, can do, do it. this, guys. We can do this. Yep. So remember to like us on social media and all that good stuff. We'd love also to hear from you, leave a review. And as always, remember... Share <laughs> The love! Hey, thanks for joining the Jesus Said Love podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to awaken hope and empower change with us. We want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review Yes, because your voice matters. It's how we get this message into the world. And lastly, be sure to follow Jesus Said Love on Instagram and Facebook for up-to-date info and visit the website at jesussaidlove.com for how you can join the JSL fam. Until next time. Share the love.